Lord. And uh, we're going to open up like we normally do on Sunday night. We've got a few, we've got a prayer request here we want the church to remember. Uh, let's be in prayer for Brian Houck. Brian is scheduled for knee replacement on Tuesday the 28th. And then let's also be praying for Delmer. He's scheduled for knee replacement on the 2nd, right? Thursday the 2nd. So let's be praying for Delmer and then for Brian, lifting them up. And then there's others with different things going on this week. Let's remember them. Let's remember the folks uh, who have been saved recently and that we can help them grow in the Lord. We're thankful that we have lots of things going on here for folks who want to grow in the Lord. Amen? Amen? And let me just remind you, okay, that Sunday school is a great way for you to learn about the Word of God. Amen? We come in and we break up into different classes. And just so people know, we've been doing small groups way before small groups was a thing. Did you know that? We just called it Sunday school. And we get together uh, with folks of the same time of life that we're going through. Uh, I teach the teenagers and we have a great time. Uh, sometimes we get off track in there. Imagine that, you know, and we just talk about what's going on in life, you know. But uh, it's great. And we've got young married classes and we probably need to get back to every once in a while uh, highlighting those on Sunday morning. But it's a great way for you to learn the Bible be with people going through the same stuff as you are, and that's every Sunday at 10 o'clock. And as I say on the radio, we got a class for every age. Amen? Every age. It doesn't matter what you're going through, where you're at, there's something going on for you. So we're excited about what God has been doing, uh, those that have been saved that want to join, uh, and we're praying that they will grow in the Lord. And I'll tell you, uh, we're excited about that as well. So be praying about that, these that have surgery as well. We're going to open up in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask a Sunday school teacher to open us up in prayer. Jason, would you stand right where you are? And he is, how long have you been teaching Sunday school, Jason? 20, yeah, isn't that awesome? Amen, yeah. All right, open us up in prayer, Jason. It's 269. 269. Everybody stand. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, let my Where? 
that's full of announcements. Amen. So you want to make sure you get it. One that's not on there though is Paris Foundation Meal will be coming up again quickly. It'll be not tomorrow, but the next Monday. There is a sign-up sheet out there if you can help out with that. And also, Becky, am I not mistaken that you take a picture of the bulletin and you post it on Facebook, right? So that you can see what's going on here. There's stuff that's going on. It doesn't matter if you're in the youth group, there's stuff this week. Men's Devotion and Wild Game Dinner, Friday night, March 3rd. Young Ladies' Devotion Night, March the 4th at 6.30 at Ruby's house. Young Adults, March the 4th, 7 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. So each night, there, each day, and it doesn't matter what age group you're in, there's something going on this week. And then as we look further out, there's other things going on. Don't forget about the church directory photos, April 19th. Uh, through April 22nd. You'll need to be getting some of those times. Uh, later on, we'll see those. The group photos, we've already been taking some of those. So make sure you get all of that. And then it's right around the corner, and I'm so excited about it. Me and Dale talk about it almost daily, about March 15th through the 18th. That's a Wednesday night through a Friday night. A little bit different for a series of meetings for us, but we wanted to do it that way with the men that we have coming in to preach. And each one of them is coming in. Uh, this is a preaching conference. We will have a, a little bit of singing during the evenings. Adelie will be here. She'll be singing for us a little bit. Kogan's wife, Michaela, will be here. Uh, she sings uh, as well. We know her and, and love her as well. But the main thing is preaching. Each night we're going to come in. Uh, we're going to have a preacher at the beginning and then a preacher at the a second preacher each night. Uh, we want to... Uh, we want to expound the Word of God. We believe this is what makes the difference. Amen? The Word of God. Not what I think, not what our pastor thinks, but it's the preaching of the Word of God that has the power in it. Uh, and so uh, we're excited to have them come and share that with us. And each one of these men uh, has a special place in my heart. God's been doing great things with them and through them. And Dale called me the other day and he said, You know what? He said, All of the men who are pastoring churches... Uh, that these, these men that are coming, their churches are growing. And he said, it's because I believe they have a commitment to the word of God. And I said, praise the Lord for that. So we're looking forward to that. Don't forget it. All right, at this time, we'll have our ushers come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings.
thank you. Yes, 33 men's series. Thank you for not letting me forget that. That's not in your bulletin. It's going to Tuesday night now, right? So again, when you drop your kids off for kids club, youth group, the men's series will be going on 33, and you guys are going into a man and his traps now, right? A man and his traps. And I'm telling you, those series are absolutely awesome uh, for us dealing with the things that men deal with in the world we live in. And Rick Tallman's uh, kind of leading that study, uh, and it's absolutely wonderful. You'd enjoy that if you come and be a part of it. Tuesday night, 645? 645. We don't know what room you're going to be in yet, right? Basil's room. There you go. You'll be in Basil's room, 645. All right, Brother Ronnie, would you ask a blessing on the offering? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to be here, and, and thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that's here when we come, meets us here, God, and for blessing this place and the messages. Thank you for the messages we've been hearing when, from Mike and Brother Pastor Gary that brings them to us. We pray, God, that those that need to uh, make a decision to get right with thee, to get saved, that they would uh, listen to it and would come forward. We pray your blessed service tonight, God, and the message and the singing and the offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Page 352. 352, everybody stand. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very despairing cry from the waters lifted me now safe best song faithful love and service to to him belong love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me Nothing else could help love lifted me. All right, choir, in this last verse, come on up. 
Souls in danger, look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows his will obey. He your Savior wants to be be saved today. Oh love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. me love lifted me when nothing else could help love lifted me amen you may be seated
I've read the words in red You reach the 99 To find the one missing Feels like that was written With me on your mind And the prodigal son who ran Leaving his home behind Father came running to meet him. Did you say that with me on your mind? Who am I that the king of the world would give one single thought about my broken heart? Who am I that the God of old grace wipes the tears from my face and says, Come as you are? You paid the price, you took the You did it all with me on your 
Sometimes he's so close I can reach out and touch him. God's presence dispels all my fears. Sometimes he seems so far away. No matter how hard I pray, I wonder, does he even hear?
Amen. Don't you love our choir? Amen. I appreciate them so very, very much. And uh, it just seems like it just gets better all the time. Amen. And I praise the Lord for that. So, uh, Michael got up this morning and told us how, man, he just hated to preach that sermon. Didn't really sound like he hated it all that bad, though, did it? <laughs> so, uh, he seemed to do pretty good, but uh, I, I've been there. I've been as a pastor. I've been there where you know the Lord is laying a message on your heart. You know he's dealing with you about bringing that message, and you're like, Lord, I, I want to do something different. I, I don't want to do that. 
uh, and yet the Lord keeps uh, moving on your heart and moving on your heart, and you're like, this is going to be uphill preaching. You ever, you ever, you ever felt that way? This is going to be uphill preaching, Lord, and, uh, and yet the Lord keeps bringing you back to it, and, uh, and finally you just preach what the Lord laid on your heart, and the Lord uses it, and I appreciate that. But I have to say that actually I have been sitting on ready to preach this sermon. Uh, I'm exactly the opposite tonight. I have been looking forward to bringing this message uh, ever since we finished up last Sunday morning with the last message uh, that we did in Isaiah chapter number 28. I just couldn't wait to get back. Uh, to be back in Isaiah, and we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 32 tonight. We're going to read the first four verses, and uh, I don't know if I'll even, I don't know if I'll really even preach this message. I've been so excited about it, I may just get carried away, I don't know. But hopefully, hopefully I can get the point across. Uh, and uh, and it's, it's not going to be a uh, hooping and hollering and shouting kind of sermon. It's not a camp meeting sermon by any stretch, but it is a message that I have really, really been looking forward to preaching. Uh, and one of the reasons is because of the connection in the prophecy in this passage of Scripture. Isaiah, uh, I, I believe that Isaiah uh, is one of, if not the greatest of the Old Testament prophets as far as his writing is concerned. Uh, and I, I've always uh, really spent a lot of time in the book of Isaiah. I've preached a lot out of Isaiah over the years. Uh, I've drawn a lot of comfort out of the book of Isaiah. And I have seen the prophecies of Isaiah kind of unfold before me through the years, things that I preached uh, 30 years ago out of the book of Isaiah, I see them in a totally different light uh, now. And so I, I pray that the Lord will use it and it'll be a blessing to us. So Isaiah chapter 32, beginning in verse 1, if you'd stand with us please in honor of the reading of the word of God. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness and princes shall rule in judgment. And a man shall be as an hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. And the eyes of them that see shall not be dim, and the ears of them that hear shall hearken. The heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge, and the tongue of the stammerers shall be ready to speak plainly. Dear Lord, we pray you'd help us in the understanding of the word of God tonight. We pray that you might, uh, Lord, let it, uh, let it shine upon our heart. Let it come to a, uh, the light of reality in our life. As we look uh, at these few verses tonight, we pray that we might see them uh, in a glorious light and they might uh, genuinely ring true for us, and we'll be careful to give you the praise when we make our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Now, uh, by way of introduction, I want to point a couple of things out to you. Uh, if I had a title for the message tonight, it would be the prophecy of the gospel. And now that may seem like an unusual way to look at it, 
But I, I, uh, that's the way uh, I not only do I see it and perceive it, but we can see the connection of it as we go forward. And so in introduction, we're just going to take a couple of things into consideration. The first thing I want you to understand is that the word gospel uh, means good news. That's what that word means. Whenever somebody talks about uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the literal meaning of it is good news. Uh, but the other thing, and perhaps everybody already knew that anyway, but perhaps the other thing that you might not understand is that the word gospel does not appear in the Old Testament. It's not there. The word gospel, the very first time that the uh, word gospel is used in the Bible uh, is in the New Testament, the book of Matthew. And from there, we see the gospel used time and time and time and time again. So when we're, so let's think about this just for a moment. And I said this is our introduction. Just get our minds thinking in the, in, in the right direction. So if we're, if we're uh, real with ourselves, we'd say, well, then the gospel is not in the Bible in the Old Testament. It's only in the New Testament, but that's not true. Amen? The gospel is revealed and, uh, and opened up in the New Testament but the gospel is there in the Old Testament, and it's there in type and shadow. It's there in, uh, in symbolism, uh, and it's there in truth, and it's there in prophecy. And, of course, we know that perhaps the greatest prophet concerning the gospel in all of the Old Testament would be Isaiah. Isaiah st uh, spends so much time prophesying of things concerning the Messiah. Over and over and over again, he reveals the Messiah in the Old Testament. I mean, how could we possibly not see the Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah 43? I mean, it, uh, it, it, it would be ridiculous to think, or our 14, or many other passages there. So I want us to keep that in mind as we're coming in uh, to chapter number 33. Uh, 32 of the book of Isaiah uh, that Jesus Christ now I want you to understand something else too so Jesus Christ was the Messiah to the world he was the Messiah to the world but he was come to the Jewish nation it's very important that you understand that and it's very important that you never ever forget that truth Michael has been preaching an awful lot uh, here lately and making the comment uh, over and over again about the fact that Israel and the church are not the same thing. We are, we are not uh, the fulfillment of, uh, 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 for the nation of Israel. We, uh, God did not forget the nation of Israel and then transfer all of those promises over to the church. It doesn't work that way. We have a new, a different covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, we need to understand that. You see, the, the, the Bible makes it clear that the nation of Israel is the wife of Jehovah, but the church is the bride of Christ. It's two different things. And if we don't, if we don't catch hold of that, we'll miss some wonderful teaching in the Word of God. So we need to understand that even though Jesus Christ was the Messiah to the world, he came to the Jews. Jewish nation. As a matter of fact, 
In the Gospel of John, you don't have to turn. Well, you can turn if you'd like. It's up to you. But in the Gospel of John chapter 1, uh, it's very easy to find and it's very familiar. In the Gospel of John chapter number 1 and verse number 11, the Bible says he came unto his own and his own received him not. Jesus Christ came as the Messiah to the Jewish nation, but the Jewish nation rejected Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that sad? It is. It's sad. And, uh, and could I say to you that the, uh, the, the Jewish nation has endured some horrific uh, and unbelievable persecutions. And I like what Michael has said a few times. It's very important that you understand this. Let me tell you something. God has a blessing for those who bless the nation of Israel. God has a curse for those who curse the nation of Israel. And you need to be real careful about the way you use your words when you're talking about God's chosen people. And you say, oh, well, I'm, you know, I, I'm part of the church. I've been washed in the blood. Let me tell you something. The nation of Israel is still the apple of God's eye. And you better be very, very careful about what you say about them and about your attitudes toward them because God has a work and a ministry that he's going to perform through the Jewish nation as well as through the church of the living God. Amen? And we need to recognize that. So we need to uh, keep, keep that in our heart and in our mind. But the Bible said he came unto his own, his own received him not. That meant then that because the Jewish nation rejected Jesus Christ, that then the door was open to the Gentiles. And that's me and you. Now, aren't you glad that God opened the door to the Gentiles? It's sad, it is, it's sad that he came to the Jewish nation and, they, and the nation rejected them. And by the way, the nation did reject them. Uh, and when, we, uh, when we're talking about the uh, book of Acts, uh, and uh, even the message this morning was wonderful and powerful, and, and, and it made us see again uh, that it was not just the Roman government that brought persecution. As a matter of fact, the first persecutions to come to the church didn't even come from the Roman government. They came uh, from the Jewish nation uh, and the Jewish nation compelled and, and drew the uh, Roman government in to be a part of that persecution. They rejected Jesus Christ and so the door then was open to the Gentiles. So he says, he came into his own, his own received him. Not in verse 12, he said, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That means that the door was open to the Gentiles. And I don't know if you have thought about this or not, but the nation of Israel has always been small. Amen. It's a tiny little speck of land uh, by the Mediterranean Sea is all you have when you look at the nation of Israel. And, uh, and as my, uh, my good friend who's in heaven now, Ken Price, used to say all the time, he was a missionary to the Jewish people uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Europe. And he used to say all the time, how odd of God to choose the Jews. It just, it, it's, it's hard to fathom, it's hard to understand. But God knew what he was doing. And they've always been small. But when God opened the door to the Gentiles, he opened the door to the whole world. 
And by the way, Jews are, get saved all the time. As a matter of fact, I got a call the other day uh, from, a, uh, from uh, a Jewish preacher, uh, and uh, he, uh, he, he, uh, he called to offer his, uh, it didn't work out for time-wise, but he offered uh, to come and take one of our services coming up to either Easter or Christmas and show how that there are certain things in the Jewish uh, in the Jewish. Uh, uh, culture that they used and certain things from the word of God that would relate especially and specifically to uh, to Easter and the Passover and all of that uh, and so he's a he was a he's a Jew but he's saved he's on his way to heaven and Jews get saved just like everybody else gets saved amen so so let's let's keep that in mind he came into his own his own received him not but as many as did receive him, Jews, Gentiles, Greeks, bond free, whoever they might be, opened up to the whole world, uh, opened up to the planet, opened up to the population around the world, and he opened up this great and glorious door uh, that anyone, anywhere, anytime, from any culture, any background, no matter who they are, no matter who their parents were, no matter where they came from, no matter what their uh, cultural background is, God has opened up the door of salvation to the whole world amen as a matter of fact he says in the book of first john not john the gospel but first john chapter 2 and verse 2 he's the propitiation for our sins and then he writes this and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world amen amen while it is true that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, it is also true that Jesus Christ died for all men. Amen? That means everybody. All means all. That's all all means. It, it doesn't mean anything else. So uh, he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So the gospel then goes beyond the Jews goes past them. If you wanted to be saved before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you wanted to be a part of the family of God, then you had to join the Jewish faith. It was possible you could be a proselyte, uh, and you could, uh, uh, if you were a male, you'd go through circumcision, if you, uh, but you could come and you could be a part, uh, but you would have to keep the Jewish law, and you would have to follow uh, the Jewish culture and their, and their religion. But now that the door is open to the Gentiles, for anyone and everyone who puts their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then they're born into the family of God. Amen? And do you know what? I still believe that. I do. There's a lot of people that don't believe that anymore. You know, there's a lot of people who don't believe that the gospel is for the whole world, just for a few in the world. And, you know, God made up his mind that there's going to be a few that he's going to love and he's going to take them to heaven whether they want to go or not, and that's it. That Uh-uh. That's not what the Bible teaches me. Amen? The word of God is plain that the gospel is for the whole world. God intended for it to be that way. Now, let's take a look at our text and let's notice something. Notice what he says in, uh, in the first verse that, is, that, that we read. He said, Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes 
shall rule in judgment. A king shall reign in righteousness. Now, we can, we can read the whole chapter, and I, 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 I don't want to take anything out of context. I never want to be guilty of that. But we don't have time to read it all and put it into context. So just uh, uh, take my word for it, if you would, and then you can go home and look it up later. But in the previous chapters, he's been talking about the fact God has promised Judah after chapter number 28, then 29, 30, uh, and 31. God, you remember 28's a rough chapter. You remember we, we talked about that. Uh, and there's, uh, there's a lot of struggle there. But then after chapter number 28, then God begins to comfort the, uh, the nation of Israel through Isaiah's words. And But when he gets to chapter number 30, he gives them an assurance that one day Judah is going to be delivered and Assyria is going to pay for their wickedness. Their sins will find them out. And he makes this clear to them. Hey, I know it, it's difficult. I know that there are times when, you're, uh, when you feel that uh, the, the very God that you're serving uh, uh, is uh, moving against the nation. But there will be a day and there will be a time when I am going to give you a great, great king. Now, in the short look, that king could have been Hezekiah or it could have even been Josiah. Most people believe it was Hezekiah, but, uh, but some look and, uh, and see Josiah as bringing them back after they had backslidden and, uh, and all that. So we see it in the short view uh, that he says he's going to give them a righteous king, which they definitely needed. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness and his princes shall rule in judgment. Now, by the way, I just want to throw this in, okay? So it's really important that you have a godly leader, amen, like the king, but the king's not going to do it all by himself, amen? A church can have a really, really good pastor and still be a terrible church, amen? I've seen it happen. By the way, a church can have a really terrible pastor and be a really good church, <laughs> and, and in that case, a lot of times, the terrible pastor winds up leaving. But the point I'm making is, is that when, when the leader and, and then those that work directly underneath that leader, I said this I don't know how many times at Nottingham, if the pastor and the deacons are in unity in the church, the church can do just about anything. Amen? But when they're at odds one with another, see, it didn't take just the king, it took the princes too. It doesn't take just one good worker. It takes other workers alongside to support and encourage and stay with them. Amen? Now, that, that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with, with, uh, with uh, the prophecy of the gospel, but it, but it is a truth that's revealed here in this passage of Scripture, and I think Isaiah mentioned it on purpose. And he said, the behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in, judge, uh, in judgment. So the gospel goes beyond the Jews when the right king comes into his place. And could I tell you that that's the short view, but the long view is a greater king than Hezekiah and a greater king than Josiah and a greater king than David is coming on the scene. Amen? And this king that is coming on the scene is different than all others. This king was born on earth 
and died on earth, but then he rose again the third day, and the Bible says he lives forevermore. Amen? Amen. He, he is the king that conquered death, hell, and the grave. And you say, well, he's coming as king. Let me tell you something. A king is a king whether he's ruling and reigning at a particular moment or not. Jesus Christ was king the whole time he was here. Yeah, uh, we, we have this idea that somehow Jesus is going to become someone different when he comes back. He's going to be the same Jesus he's always been. The difference is, is that the world is going to recognize him and see him and know who he is. And the Bible says that then he's going to rule and reign. And with the very power of the sword of his mouth, he's going to rule the world. That's pretty amazing if you think about it. But now let's take a look and see what we're talking about when we're talking about the prophecy of the gospel. Well, for that, we've got to skip down. Uh, I, I do want to just point something out. King shall rule in righteousness. Uh, and the Bible, uh, well, let's just skip that. Let's go on down. I want to get to this. I want you to take a look at verse number three. And the eyes of them that see, now notice this, the eyes of them that see will not be dim. And the ears of them that hear shall hearken. Let me read that again. Okay, let us back up. Verse 1 says, A king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. The Bible says in verse 2, And a man shall be a hiding place from the wind, covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, shadow of a rock in a weary land. Then verse 3 says, And the eyes of them that see shall not be dim, and the ears of them that hear shall hearken. What, what did Paul say about the nation of Israel, he said they were blinded. He said when the gospel came, it was a stumbling block to them. When they, when they heard the truth of who Jesus was, they shut their minds to it. They, they shut their hearts to it. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't respond to it. And then Jesus Reascended back to heaven to be with the Father and sit on his right hand. That's where he is today, at the right hand of the Father. I have a feeling that it's not going to be very long until the Father is going to stand up and say, You know what? It's time for you to go get, go get the church. It's time for you to go down and, and get them and bring them home. We're, we're going to have a great Marriage supper of the Lamb. Go get your bride. Go get her. She's been waiting for 2,000 years. Go get her and bring her home. But anyway, Jesus Christ rose the third day from, from the grave, and then he spent those 40 days here on earth uh, after his resurrection and glorified body. But then he ascended back into heaven, and then after he ascended back into heaven, something very interesting happened one day. While they were praying in the upper room... The Holy Spirit came rushing in like a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were. Peter got up that day, and, and, and he went out, and he, he preached the gospel, and the Bible said, now listen to this, the Bible said 3,000 people got saved that day. 3,000 people got saved that day. What, what, what did he say here in verse number 3? He said... 
he said this. He said, the eyes of them that see shall not be dim. The ears of them that hear shall hearken. Do you realize that the church literally exploded into existence? Do you realize that inside of a month, the church went from 120 to what is estimated to be somewhere between 18 and 20,000 people in a month? Do you realize that within a year they had over 100,000 uh, Christians in and around Jerusalem? Do you realize that the very first persecution that came was not a persecution that God said, Oh no, what's happening? God allowed it so that they could be scattered because they were centering all their attention just in this one tiny little place called Israel and, uh, and Jerusalem and God wanted them to spread out. And so they burst forth like an experience Explosion, and now the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has moved around the world. I'm telling you, the gospel has come to us. We are living in the age of grace. And Isaiah saw it all the time. He could see it. He could look down through the corridors of time. And he could see that there was going to come a day. That you got to remember who Isaiah is, right? Right? You remember Isaiah chapter 6? And he hears, he hears the Trinity communing with himself. And they, say, and they say, who can we send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah, he jumps up and he says, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. And God says, okay, Isaiah, you can go. You're going to preach. But they're, they're not going to listen. You're going to proclaim the truth. But their ears will be dull of hearing and their eyes will be waxed over. And, 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 and you're going to preach and preach and preach and preach. And you're just going to have a handful here and a handful there. Just a remnant, just a few. But on the day of Pentecost, in one day, they had 3,000 saved. But I tell you that Isaiah, who knew what it was like to be faithful in the... Listen, don't complain. Amen? Don't say, oh, it is so hard to be a Christian today. Oh, really? Let's go down there and let's fish Jeremiah out of the, out of the pit down in the dungeon. Right? Where he's living down there with the rats and the bats, okay? And, 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 and he has... He doesn't have any running water. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a warm place to go to the bathroom. Okay, you get the picture. But it's so hard to be a Christian. Let me tell you something. We are living in the age of grace. We're living in a time where the gospel has power, where it's potent, where it reaches out. We're living in a time where the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. We're living in a time where the Holy Ghost will grip the heart of a sinner and begin to break that heart. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit can reach in and take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. I'm telling you, we are living in the age of the gospel. Isaiah would have loved to have preached in our congregation on a Sunday morning. Amen? As a matter of fact, I think if Isaiah were brought back to life and on a Sunday morning when the house is full at Nottingham and we put him up here to preach, I believe he'd preach himself slapped to death. 
he'd die all over again. He wouldn't quit preaching. Because when I first came here, after having spent those years in Wales where you had to tone everything down and, and you couldn't get too carried away, I tell you, I came into this pulpit and I started preaching the gospel. And one day, honest to goodness, I thought one day I'm just going to fall over and preach myself slap to death. Because there was amens and hallelujahs and glory to God's. There was people walking the aisle. There were people weeping over their sin. There were people getting saved and getting right with God. Could I tell you, you're not living in a difficult time. You're living in a glorious time. This is what we have to look forward until Jesus comes back. And then when he comes back, he's going to take us all to be with him forever. Forever to be with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, I know it's tough some places, and I know it's hard to preach in some places. I've been, hey, listen, the hardest place in the world to preach is a dead Baptist church. I'm telling you what, I mean, honest to goodness, I've preached in some Baptist churches that if I was throwing bricks at them, I don't think that you'd get anything. I would just sit there. Can't get a holy grunt for nothing. I'd rather preach in a charismatic church than preach in one of them dead Baptist churches. Yeah, I mean, they may not know, they may not know for sure whether they're gonna make it to heaven, but they're having a great time on the way. Amen. Hallelujah. I I I I want some enthusiasm when I preach. And I know there's some hard places, and I know there's some difficult places in the world to preach the gospel today. There always has been. You remember what Paul said? He said, man, I, I, we just heard it the other night. I've been in prison. I've, I've been in shipwreck. I've gone through this. I've had all these persecutions and difficulties. But look at all the churches he left behind. Amen? You see, that's the measure of success. Was it the fact that Paul was going to have a fine home? Was it the fact that he had him a beautiful yacht? It wouldn't get shipwrecked. No, no, no. That's not the way it was measured. Success was measured. The success was measured in Iconium and in Ephesus and, and, and in Antioch even where he had gone and established churches and seen them grow and seen the, the word of God go forth and seen them come not only to the saving knowledge of Christ but to an understanding of the word of God. Can you imagine how hard it would be to come to an understanding of the word of God if you didn't have it? What if you came in this morning and as you were coming in somebody was handing you a page of the New Testament. When you all got in here, say, who, who, who's got this page? Can you read that? Who's got that page yet? Paul said, your faith and doctrine is known in the whole world. You're on it. The whole world knows how faithful they are and how solid they are in the doctrine. I, I, I'm kind of getting off a little bit. But it's just so much fun to preach this stuff because Isaiah saw it before it ever happened. We need to a long, long, long time before you were born. Long, long time before George Washington was born. Long, long time ago, Isaiah could see the gospel come. Now, why do I think that's important? Well, it's important for several reasons, but one of the reasons 
The gospel is not something. The, the Lord didn't say, well, the Jews rejected the, my son, so uh, uh, of eternity past, nor now, nor in eternity. Amen. I remember years ago, I was working on the plumbing at the parsonage. And so I was down, down in the laundry room, and uh, I had, I, I think it was Michael, might have been Josiah, but it was one of them, was upstairs, and I told them when I went down, I said, now don't flush that toilet till I tell you to. So I had the whole thing unhooked, and, uh, and, I, uh, and uh, they yelled down at me, and I said, no! And just about the time I said no, they thought I said yes, and I got five gallons right on top of my head standing down there <laughs> in, the, in the laundry room. So uh, I called a plumber. But, but the point is, well, no, no joke, when that happened, I said, what am I going to do now? <laughs> what, what am I going to do now? Well, I never had to say that. God's never going to say that. Because God knew already in eternity past, Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The gospel is not a new idea. It's as old as the world. It's as old as the universe. There's a new movie coming out, 65 million years. They're going to tell us what happened 65 million years ago. According to this movie, humanity lived somewhere else in the universe, and 65 million years ago they showed up and they fought off all the dinosaurs and they gave us the glorious world that we have now. Let me tell you something. If they gave us this glorious world, we need to go back 65 million years and start over because somebody goofed. I'm telling you right now. Somebody goofed. No, 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 no. We, we don't have a world without God. Amen? You don't. You say, I, I don't believe in God. I don't care whether you believe in him or not. He's still there. Amen? It doesn't make any difference. He's still there. And let me tell you something. He still knew what was going to happen before it ever took place. So that means that God knew that the gospel would be preached freely right this minute, right where we are, right to the people we're preaching to. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Prophesied in Isaiah chapter number 32, fulfilled in the, on the, uh, uh, in the beginning at the life, the death, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but fulfilled as the age of grace beginning on the day of Pentecost, and it's going to continue until the Lord calls his church home. We are going to be living in the age of grace till Jesus comes and gets the church. That means that the Holy Spirit indwells me, and if you're born again, it means the Holy Spirit indwells you. It means that the Holy Spirit has the power to convict the heart of a sinner. It means that the Word of God has the power to touch the life of an individual. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Could I tell you that there's still power in the gospel, and there's still power in the Word of God, and there's still power in the Holy Ghost of God? We are living in the age of grace. We are living in the time of the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's stop quoting all the bad news and let's start telling the good news that Jesus has come and died for sinners. Look at verse number four. The heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge and the tongue of the stammerers 
shall be ready to speak plainly. I want to read that verse again, and we're going to close with this. The heart of the rash shall understand knowledge. I, I like this verse right here because that's me. I'm, I'm the rash one. You know what the word rash means? It means someone who acts impulsively. Do you know, I would, I would act another way other than impulsively if I knew how, but I don't. The only way I, I act is according to my impulse. You know, I mean, you know, my dad used to say to me, is that another one of your harebrained schemes? Come up with, did you come up with that all by yourself? Because I'm, I just, you know, whatever I felt like doing, I just did it. Whatever I thunk up in my head, that's what we did. I act rashly. But the Bible says even the rash shall have understanding. <laughs> Thank goodness for the word of God. Amen. So somebody like me can learn and understand the truth of the word of God. The rash shall have understanding. Notice what he says also. He said, uh, the heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge and the tongue of the stammerers shall be ready to speak plainly. You can turn with me if you want, but we're just about to finish. In the book of Romans chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 13, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you glad that salvation is to whomsoever? Whoever it is that'll, that'll genuinely, honestly, and sincerely call upon the word of God, he'll save them. Hallelujah. We're living in the age of grace. It's the only way that can happen, folks, is to be living in the age of grace. But notice what he says after that. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And then notice what he says. And how shall they preach except that it be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Paul said that God's going to take people uh, uh, that are just ordinary, everyday, run-of-the-mill folks uh, and God's going God's gonna to call them uh, and the church is going to send them uh, and they're going to go out to do the work in the ministry of preaching the gospel. It's not, it doesn't take angels. It doesn't take those who have great intellects I'm telling you it just takes somebody who's been born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and saved and their feet set on the road to glory to start telling that story amen I'm not sure exactly what happened in Discovery Club on Tuesday night after I left but I you know the little guy that got saved last Sunday morning he was here again this Sunday name is uh, Randy. Randy come running up to me when I, I came in the back door back there while they were, I don't know what they were doing, but it was something. And I'll tell you, not only was it something, but there's a lot of them. There's a marching around here. I thought, sure, the walls was going to fall any minute. I mean, it had to be Jericho, right? No, no, they were having a wonderful time. But when Randy saw me, he came running up to me. And he said, do you know me? <laughs> I said, yeah, you're ready. You got saved last Sunday. He said, I'm writing a speech. <laughs> I'm going to tell people what God did for me. Let me tell you something. He might win more people than some of our deacons. Now, I'm not throwing off on our deacons. I love every one of them. I'm just saying you just don't know. 
what God can do with a willing heart. Why? Because folks, we're living in the age of grace. Isaiah looked down through the corridors of time, thousands of years in the future. He saw us preaching the gospel today. The rash having knowledge, the plain and the ordinary being called by God himself. Hey, Isaiah was not no ordinary guy. He was not some run-of-the-mill fellow. He was highly educated. He was unbelievably eloquent. None of those things apply to me. Amen? I, I got preachers that I know that they only went through the sixth grade, and yet they're preaching the gospel, and people are getting saved and coming, getting right with God. God just takes ordinary folks. You don't have to be Isaiah. You don't have to be Moses. You don't have to be Daniel. You just got to be you. Give yourself to the one who could see the gospel way down the corridors of time. Whew. This is the prophecy of the gospel, folks, and we're still living it today. We're living right I believe we're living right smack dab in the middle of the age of grace. Now, I don't mean that we got another 2,000 years to go. I mean, we, I, I don't believe it's lessened. I don't believe it's lost its power. I don't believe the Bible is outdated and, 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 and not in mode anymore. I don't care what they say. Let me tell you something. I've been in Central America where they still walk the aisle 40 at a time. Amen? I still read about what happens in China where hundreds and hundreds of people gather hidden hidden from the crowds and from the police so they can worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. We're living in the age of grace. And if we're not experiencing the grace of God in our life, it's our fault because Jesus is dispensing his grace abundantly right now today, living in the age of grace. The prophecy of the gospel, the good news, the good news that Jesus will save anybody, anywhere, anytime, if they'll just come to Jesus and honestly and sincerely. Now, God don't save, he's not going to save anybody if they don't want to get saved, but he's going to save those who come to him honestly and sincerely, desiring God's grace and his forgiveness. He's going to save them, folks. I remember this, and I'll close with this. I remember there was a fellow in our church years and years ago. I was about 12. And, uh, and uh, man, I'm telling you, he, he came to the altar two or three times and wept and cried and prayed. He never did get satisfied about his salvation. And, uh, and so, I don't know, several weeks went by, and I heard one of the men of the church when I was leaving the, on a Sunday morning, I heard one of the men of the church kind of confront Dad a little bit. And he said, you need to do something about that boy. And dad kind of smiled and he said, what do you mean? He said, well, I don't want that boy to just die and go to hell because he never got right. He said, let me tell you something. God's not going to let that boy go to hell on a technicality. <laughs> he said, if God's working with that boy, he's, God knows what he's doing. He, if he really wants to get saved, he's going to get saved. God's not going to kick him out. Don't you, didn't you read what Jesus said of all those that come unto me? I don't cast any out. He said, for all I know, he might be saved already, and he don't even know it. 
You might say, well, your dad's a little bit weird, and he was. Only he was not just a little bit. He was a whole lot of bit. But I'll tell you what, I ain't, I've never come across this theology that wasn't right. And you know what? About two weeks later on a Sunday morning, that boy come walking down the aisle, and he joined the church and said he got saved at home when he realized that he didn't have to work for it. <laughs> that God was just going to accept him. Dad baptized him and did the work. We're living in the age. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to bring the message. Someone here tonight needs this message. I know they do. Lord, this wasn't exactly what I'd planned either, but Lord, you kept bringing me back to this this truth found in the 32nd chapter. And so, Lord, I pray you'd take this truth and apply it to our hearts. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen us with its reality. The gospel still works. Lord, may we not be shy. May we not be hesitant. May we not be un, uh, uh, unsure or unsettled about giving the gospel because we're afraid it might not work. Lord, it works, and, and, and Lord, we know it works, and Lord, we need to be bold with it because we know the gospel makes a difference. But Lord, let us also not fall into despair because of the wicked world in which we live, and the way in which our government seems to be carrying this nation. Lord, it doesn't matter how wicked the time, it doesn't matter how much persecution comes from the government. The church of the living God grew it, at its greatest points when it was experiencing its most difficult tribulations. It exploded in the early days of the church when first the Jews and, and then the Romans tried to snuff it out and destroy it. Lord, it, it, found, a, it found a birth, a rebirth in the United States when so many were being held back from the true worship of God on the other side of the sea. They brought their God with them when they came to this land. Lord, we thank you that the gospel still has the power. Lord, we pray that we might be encouraged in that glorious truth. We'll be careful to give you the praise. Lord, we make our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let's stand again. What shall we say? Keep the Father's love for us. How best. Beyond all measure That he would give his only son To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to
心。